Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast creator corner. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. And uh, we are joined today by Evan Carruthers. Yo. Evan uh, is uh, is the, I mean, you're the, the founder and turbo creator of all this, right? You, you're with, uh, you, you have your company EC3D Designs, yeah? Yep, yep, that's it. The EC is Evan Carruthers. We met Evan through uh, Kickstarter, of all places. We were running campaigns for our comic books. Uh, Evan's got the Ignis Quadrant. Currently, there is Chapter Zero and Chapter One that uh, that ran on Kickstarter. I've got my copies right in front of me, and you've got a, uh, a campaign going on Indiegogo right now for issue number two. Yep. Yeah, Evan reached out to me when we were all doing our Kickstarters and... Uh, you know, just said like, "Hey, it looks like our projects are in the same uh, the same realm, the same vein. Why don't we do a little cross promotion?" And that was totally the right idea. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get to get Evan on the show for the Kickstarter in time uh, before it ended. But I saw the uh, the Indiegogo going. Yeah, and I was like, "This is perfect." Yeah, fortunately, he's much faster at putting out stuff than we are. So uh, <laughs> we haven't even gotten our stuff uh, ready to ship yet, and he's already pumping number two. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Evan, why don't you just, uh, go ahead and, and let our listeners know who you are, what you do. And I mean, I, I guess, uh, to spoil it just a little bit ahead of time, like, you know, I, I know you from the comic books, but EC3D designs does a lot more than that. And, um, so I'm really curious to hear about some of that too. Absolutely. So yeah, I got my, the the background of EC3D is uh, in tabletop gaming products. So, um, Particularly, I got started doing, I uh, got really into 3D printing. So I did a lot of Dungeons and & Dragons and Starfinder and a lot of tabletop games, both fantasy and sci-fi stuff, and really into miniatures and painting and stuff. And then 3D printing kind of came on the scene. And I'm a, I'm a technologist. I'm a software engineer by trade. So I'm always into new geeky technology stuff. So I got a 3D printer and really fell in love with the idea of creating physical stuff. And that led into kind of self-teaching myself 3D modeling to create you know, scenery and little miniatures and all the fun stuff for tabletop gaming. And then I kind of scaled up the business. I'm, I'm also done a bunch of entrepreneurial stuff. So it, it kind of led down the road of um, working with other freelance designers and creating supplemental content like books to go with the models. And then I got even further into it and started creating like maps, um, producing maps with designers. And then I'm like, you know, I'm creating all these cool sci-fi projects and all these characters and models for gaming. But it just kind of naturally led to the evolution of world building. So as I started to create more and more of these characters and these worlds for tabletop gaming, I'm like, man, comic books are awesome. I'm I'm really enjoying the story that I'm telling here with all these these miniatures. Um why not create a comic? So I just dove into researching what it would take and found an awesome editor to kind of support my craziness and just just did it. Man, you're 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 the friggin' American dream. We're just tooling around like a couple of chumps here. You're making things happen. Yeah, I will say after I got to you know learn about making comic books and stuff, it's it's been uh, a luxury to have a business that exists to kind of support that comic book creation. You know, I don't have to necessarily dig into my coffers for rent or anything to pay for the artists and stuff. I had you know I have another successful part of the business that supports that. Yeah. So speaking of uh, of your art team here, um, yeah. I I mean. I think this comic is friggin' gorgeous. So we've got uh, Jezreel Rahalis on the line art. Uh, where, where'd you uh, pick him or her up? Yeah, so uh, Jezreel uh, is a male. He lives in the Philippines with his family. Um, so I find artists a lot of different ways. And I've been doing this for years outside of just comics, too. You know, a big part of the 3D model stuff that we did 
you know, sometimes you can just kind of come up with an idea of what you want by finding references online or just doodles or whatever. But I realized, you know, if I want to make really big, successful projects, you got to have real concept art. So I spent a lot of time finding concept artists and they came from all over the place. People that had worked in video game design, people that I've worked with um, concept artists who had done comic work before, traditional illustrators. But I found that, you know, the best way to, to find artists was to just search across the web on Instagram, ArtStation, Behance, all these places where people are working. And I literally just make myself a whiskey cocktail at night and I'll just browse profiles for hours. And <laughs> so I find people that I like and I just reach out to them and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Here's the ideas. Um, are you interested in working together? And I think I had initially, for the, for the Ignis Quadrant comic, for the, I had had a couple, the first few pages done. And I hired three or four different people, I think, to create the first couple pages to see who whose style and workflow jived with what, you know, how I, what would work for me. And Jez just knocked it out of the park. So it's been awesome to work with him. And I'm actually in the process of creating uh, an anthology as well in the Ignis Quadrant universe that's going to be uh, 10 short, seven-page stories. I'm going to write probably half of those myself, but I'm going to bring in some other writers and artists because I'm just obsessed with working with artists at this point. I just wanted to find t 10 awesome indie artists that I could work with to have different styles, different workflows. So I'm having just a blast doing that too. Damn, that yeah. does sound fun. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty envious. It sounds like, like you are having a good time with this. And um, Miriam Yasser yeah. uh, on the colors, she is she is a talent. I um I actually... When when we were looking for a colorist for our comic book, I had uh, I had met her on a Facebook page, and we we did a we did a couple or a few tryout pages, and for whatever reason, it just it just wasn't wasn't fitting my vision for the book. But sure. like she's undeniably talented, and I was looking at your comic, and I was like, oh, these colors are really great. And I looked, and I was like, holy shit, it's Miriam! Like I, I'm I'm really glad that uh, that she found a book where where she's like super thriving. Like her yeah. her colors her are perfect because it looks. Beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. She, I've seen some of her work, and she's a chameleon. I mean, she can do so many different styles of colors, so I loved what she had done, but I hadn't seen really any examples of, like, you know, bright, almost retro sci-fi like I was envisioning, and she just nailed it. So, yeah, I think, it, I mean, I think she can color any style at this point from the examples of what I've seen her do. Yeah, she is so good. So why don't you uh, walk our listeners through the uh the overall story you know because i i've yeah. i've read issues uh zero and one and i don't i don't want to give away spoilers sure. or anything so why don't you just set it up for everyone yeah so um i guess i'll start with like the, the impetus of the whole idea i want i wanted to create a comic that was familiar to you know people in our age range that watched you know indiana jones back in the day and all the old school spaghetti westerns and miss firefly and all the stuff that you know the old kind of Western sci-fi that was awesome. Um, but I, so I wanted it to feel familiar, but you know, also, also new and people talk about, especially this happens in tabletop gaming too. There's tropes all the time, right? You have your, your character type who's got this, you know, is just cut and dry and you know exactly how he's going to act and what decisions he's going to make. And I thought, you know, tropes can kind of be fun too. I mean, you want to surprise people with the story, but it's sometimes fun to have characters that feel familiar and then kind of evolve them as time progresses too. So that's where I started. The idea was the main character is a, a space cowboy in a world that really doesn't have any other cowboys. He's just this one cowboy um, named Montana <laughs> Bones, and he just is down on his luck, you know, has some, some weird situations that happen in his life. And he was going to go around and 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 get uh, have some events happen to him that makes him kind of get a, a new lease on life and wanting to help a, a larger mission. So the the series begins. The prequel is um, the free chapter zero. It's kind of an origin story of how. 
Montana and one of his old partners, Zane, um, had a project that went south on them in the past and kind of sets up the the villain that's going to be his arch nemesis as time progresses. Um, and then issue one starts with Montana and his new droid sidekick uh, drinking at a bar. And what's funny about this is I got a, a a review of the chapter two done recently. And the reviewer was one of the first things he said is it talks about Montana and Mace drinking in this bar. And he's like, it's funny that the robot's drinking because he doesn't even have a mouth. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even connect. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because. Yeah, like, like you, you, it, you, you do address that that the uh, the robot can't get can't get drunk yeah. uh, up top, or well, he's, he's probably got an input port somewhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 it didn't even cross my mind that. Uh, <laughs> so now he doesn't I'm gonna have, have, a have to wreck on that. So he's gonna just be throwing drinks into his face or something. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a drinking problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the one of the cool things that I came up with. I mean, it's hard to come up with original stuff in sci-fi because there's so much cool sci-fi and there's so much that's been done. Yeah. And one of the things yeah. that I came up with that I'm kind of excited to elaborate on in the future is the idea of an echo implant. So the premise is that there's this really rare mineral in the universe uh, called virinium that can be used for tons of different things. But one of the things that it can be used for is at the point of someone's death, you can use this mineral to essentially grab an echo of their soul and implant it in a robot. So then that robot then has free will, but they have like flashbacks to the person that they were before. And Mace, who is Montana's robot sidekick, is has the aqua implant of an elderly alcoholic woman, but he's like a spec <laughs> robot with this elderly alcoholic woman in him. So that's going to, that's going to go some places. <laughs> yeah. I got the impression that it kind of like, uh, imparts a little bit of the, the deceased's personality onto the robot. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's, that is a cool idea. I like yeah. That. So I'm looking forward to playing with that with a few of these. I mean, it's the idea is that they're really rare, but, you know, you can be, instead of just like, oh, there's a Star Wars like robot. No, it's a robot that's got a personality of a, you know, an old mechanic guy or something. Who knows? I mean, I'm going to come up with a bunch of random stuff, but something I can play yeah, with. Yeah, you're the not you're not limited by by uh, somebody having programmed traits into somebody, right? Or into a into a droid. Yeah, and you don't necessarily run into that weird. I mean, maybe you still do the weird unmentioned sticky situation from Star Wars where like the robots are sentient and have personalities, but they're still treated like property. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, just rip their limbs hmm. off and throw them in the corner of a sand yeah. car. And- um, so going on from, uh, from issue number, well, I guess, I guess, uh, I, I could say that this is, uh, our issue number one that's out is issue one of five. Yep. Um, so what is coming next? You know, let's, let's talk about your, uh, your Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. So, uh, the Indiegogo campaign is for chapter two, um, issue two. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's a five story arc. So the first story arc is the, the Novus landing story arc, which takes place in one kind of backwater CD spaceport. Um, so the full first five story arc is going to start there. And then that is going to kind of open up the can of worms into the plots and some of the lore and stuff happening in the larger universe. And then the team is going to go out from the city into, you know, into space a little bit and, and more adventures are going to ensue. I don't want to spoil too much, yeah. but that's, yeah, that's no, the no, idea yeah. is it's, it's yeah. going to be your give typical us, kind of long-running episodic space opera with the backdrop of political intrigue and all kinds of stuff going on. Most of your campaigns in the past have been on Kickstarter. Yeah. Was there, what was the reason that you made the switch to Indiegogo? Yeah. So a couple things. I mean, so I've done for my tabletop gaming business, I've done like nine or 10 Kickstarters before. So I'm really familiar with the platform, including the great benefits of it, the marketing capabilities, you know, the um, communities there. But I've also become pretty 
unfortunately familiar with the drawbacks of it. So I've always just been intrigued by the benefits of Indiegogo. So I've always been looking for an excuse to run a campaign on Indiegogo as well. And Kickstarter also limits creators to one concurrent campaign at a time, um, including fulfilling that campaign. So like my tabletop gaming projects take, you know, two to three to four weeks to fulfill after they end. And I have a backlog of like five of those that I'm working on. And that's, you know, such a core part of my business in terms of driving uh, revenue and stuff that I would have had to really delay my timeline on Kickstarter to do my comic Kickstarter on there. Uh. So I, I wanted to be on Kickstarter and I'm already finding the, the community and the lack of discoverability and stuff in Kickstarter is just so much bigger in terms of the comic community. So I'm definitely coming back to Kickstarter for issue three. Um, but I'm finding I like Indiegogo's platform from the, the creator tools and the way it's set up. I mean, it's, it feels like a breath of fresh air in terms of the tool set, but the, the critical mass of people is just not there like it is in Kickstarter. Yeah. On the bright side, you have a successful Kickstarter. Like I've, I got a, a thing from Kickstarter, like an update from you saying, Hey, issue two's out, go to Indiegogo. So at right. least you're able to still reach all the same people because you had the, the one successful campaign already. So that's cool. Yeah. That was part of my thesis too. I'm like, if I can do a successful campaign on Indiegogo and then one on Kickstarter, I can have eyeballs on both those platforms going forward because Indiegogo allows you to keep the campaigns running as on demand. So when I launch my issue three back on Kickstarter, I can still advertise it on the issue two on Indiegogo and kind of get a little cross section of marketing if it, if it ends up working out that way. Yeah, That's right. And I also noticed that, uh, the, the, like the last campaign you had on Kickstarter was the Novus landing camp, you know, 3d model campaign. The characters are the same too. If you look through some of them, you recognize a lot of them from the comic. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was really, that was a cool tie-in. Are you, are you planning on doing that with uh, all, like, the other settings they go to throughout the rest of the book? Yeah, there'll be some of that for sure. Um, and I had quite a few 3D models that I ended up not even getting into this campaign because it was so large in scope. Um, there'll be some of that. I mean, the, the, with the tabletop gaming stuff, so many people are getting those models to bring into other game systems or their own homebrew worlds and stuff. So I'm trying to be a little sensitive about, like, making it just my own IP because I want to make sure that people still feel like they can bring it to, you know, use it for whatever they want. But yeah, there'll be, I mean, that's, that's how I create an idea is I think of a character, do some 3d modeling around it, think of how it's going to fit in this game and the universe. So it's part of the process for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And one of the other things, when I saw that campaign that I was wondering, it, it feels like you've built a world out because you've got a comic, you've got these 3d printable, uh, mm-hmm. like tabletop models. Um, I don't know if, if you, you mentioned earlier collaborating with people on, um, more tabletop gaming supplements maybe or like are you are you going to flesh that out into like a, a source book or like a like a setting guide yeah. for ignis quadrant yeah so i absolutely so i do i like i like writing comic scripts but i don't like writing long form stuff so i i would like to do a source book someday like high level stuff but that can be plugged into any platform but i don't think i'd ever do like an ambitious huge like half inch thick source book for rpg stuff but I am in yeah. the process of working on a board game um, that I'm going to kickstart maybe later this year. That's going to be have some of the same characters and stuff from the 3D printed campaigns. But I have like 2D miniatures and like a um, grid based tabular system to move around for for the scenarios. And it's going to it's going to have all the factions and people that are in the comic and in the 3D kickstarters. And I'm actually planning on creating comic books as, as part of the board game for the rule book. And then the, each faction will have their own comic book that uses a couple pages to intro each mission. So while you're playing the board game with your friends, you'll get to read pages of a comic and then translate that into the board game. That's a fucking cool idea. Yeah. yeah. Damn. I'm just sitting here listening to, to all the plans you have, all the things you've done and all the things that you intend to do. And I guess 
something I'm I'm curious about is where you find the time and the motivation to make all of these things happen because time management is yeah. admittedly one of my one of my faults. I am I am yeah. terrible at it and it took me forever to draw a comic book, but I'm I'm kind of curious from from a creator and a business standpoint how you um you manage your time and your resources to sure. to make so much like you're you're clearly a a prolific creator here like you're you're just putting out stuff yeah i mean that's a good question i i don't sleep as much as i probably should is part of the answer <laughs> um and yeah i mean i have a full-time job like i said i'm a software engineer and i've been an entrepreneur for many years i've started and sold a few software companies so i think as part of that process throughout there i've just learned how to optimize time and as a, as a programmer like one of the things you learn is that when you're in like working on an algorithm or you're doing something that involves a lot of brain thought any interruption is like, even if it's a 30 second interruption is like 10 minutes of 10 to 20 minutes of actual disruption. So I end up finding myself blocking off like two to three hour times, whether that's in the morning, then I'll go screw around for a couple hours and three hours at night, two hours here, whatever, where I can sit down and really focus. And it's unbelievable how much you can do when you don't have distractions for those periods of time. And it just snowballs. You do that for you know a couple of years and you find lots of creative juices flowing and you just got a lot more done than if you did like a eight hour work day where you're Rolls on the internet half the time and not super focused and yeah that 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 rings true i, I get <laughs> yeah. distracted constantly and and if yeah if you don't assign the time to do something right you're like oh, i'll i'll get to it later later frequently doesn't come <laughs> well and part of like obviously you know if you're a nerd and you like comics and sci-fi and fantasy and you know you're the internet's great i mean there's so much you can look at you know pinterest boards of art for hours and you know read fan fiction all kinds of stuff so i think it's you got to understand, like, look, we're going to have an appetite for that. I almost find it's better to schedule time for me to go, you know, screw around on the internet and then get that out of the way and then, you know, take care of that part of my brain for a little bit. And then I can get serious and focused about work for a while instead of just trying to half-ass do both of them at the same time. Yeah, that's usually uh, what I do. And it doesn't, it's not super effective. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and that, that's absolutely true about, you know, even little interruptions. Like, like when I'm doing my day job, and I've, you know, the, the kids at home when she's not at school and she needs something like, yeah, it's, it's a quick little, like, oh, I'll go grab this thing for you. Yeah. But it, it, like you said, it takes a good, like 10 minutes to reset and right. get yourself back in that, in the zone of where you were. And it's, yeah, it's frustrating. I, I need like a, like an office away from home or something, you know, cause that would be, that would be great to be able to block out just a few hours where it's like nothing else happens around me. I'm creating. Yeah, I've never went this far, but I have friends that have had success with this and they make like browser extensions and stuff on your computer where you can click a button and it blocks Instagram, Facebook, you know, everything. So you can't even get into it for, you know, a period of time that you set. So I haven't quite had to get That's to that smart. point yet, but I, it, it may come to that. <laughs> yeah, get get YouTube away from me. It's so easy to right. just to just look at the, uh, the variety of videos popping up and just be like, okay, I'll just watch this one real quick leads to another one i'll watch this in the background while i'm doing this other thing and you don't get anything done yeah multitasking is at least in my experience multitasking it just makes you do two things shitty yeah <laughs> that's at least one of the things that i feel a little better about having a a business in the you know gaming and comic space is that i can justify going and having a D D night or reading a comic in the morning as you know work research right like i got to see what's happening in the market i got to see all these other styles of art and lettering and keep my creativity alive it's it's not it's not fun it's work yeah. yeah yeah it's still productive yeah and i and i like when you're creating that stuff you can also tell the tax man that this is uh this is research oh yeah there's definitely <laughs> benefits to that too <laughs> <laughs> so 
like uh, like looking at some of your models, the the they they look great. Um, do you do, do you use a, a an FDM printer primarily, or do you have a resin printer? Um, I have twelve printers now. It's a bit of an obsession in the bit. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, 3D printing, many of them don't always work. And none of them all work at the same time. And it's very much a tinkerer's hobby still, but it's getting much better. But um, I've, yeah, I mean, I had the cheap micro center FDM is how I got started. I had a printer set up in, I had a little two bedroom condo and I had it set up in the guest bedroom where my girlfriend's vanity and stuff was. So she'd be getting ready for work and I'd be in there tinkering with a 3D printer two feet away. Um, but yeah, I have both of them at this point and the resin printers are are getting so much more affordable to them. You can get a good resin printer, you know, to print like little starships or miniatures and stuff for under 200 bucks at this point. It's crazy. I'm going to buy one. Like I've got, I've got an FDM printer. I've got a TiVo tarantula and, uh, I, it's been pulled apart in pieces for the last two months because I, I, I yanked it apart to replace all of the acrylic parts with, um, with, uh, aluminum parts that I fabricated. And, uh, I screwed a couple of them up. It like didn't calculate because I also changed all the all the rollers to linear lineal rails, so it'd be real nice and smooth yeah. and stable. So I had to like readjust all the different pieces, and uh, yeah, it's still sitting in parts, and I'm probably <laughs> gonna forget how it goes back together by the time I actually get to putting it back together. But oh man, I have a love hate relationship with 3D printers. I mean, I had one of them that I had, I had it was an Ender Three is the is the brand and the model of the printer, mm-hmm. and I had a couple of them because I was churning out test prints. You know, so many of this stuff fitment is important and like big stuff like a spaceship that's as big with 30 parts you know you have to do so many test prints and then tweak it by one millimeter in some cases and reprint it so i had a, like a small farm of these things working and one of them just i couldn't get it to work i kept tr- i replaced like every part it just would never print and i just lost it i i smashed the shit out of it i had an office space moment in my basement <laughs> with the 3d printer and it hurt my heart at the same time but i was like god that felt amazing <laughs> Yeah, PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you at least can salvage a few stepper motors off. Of yeah, yeah. I, I pulled a few pieces off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It is a fun hobby. Like I, I started printing miniatures on mine, and and I got them tuned so they were pretty good. But then you see the stuff that they can get out of resin printers. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I almost feel like I'm doing myself a disservice trying to right. print this on an FDM when they can be that clean. That's kind of one of the things that helped me succeed for my business so far is that I specialized in, for a long time in models that were designed to print without supports, um, primarily yeah. on FDM, but also on resin printers. So a lot of, I had really good success with that, but the market's really starting to shift. So I'm going to have to focus more on, you know, miniatures designed with more dynamic poses and pre-supported models and stuff too. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's still fun. I mean, it makes you think about companies like Games Workshop and, you know, all the other huge model companies that mm-hmm. charge absurd amounts for their injection molded stuff i mean they're gonna they're gonna be hurting real quick here yeah this has got to be eaten into their stuff because th- th- i mean that price point is the main thing that always kept me out of warhammer yeah it was like i know i would love that game and i would sink obscene amounts of time and money into it that i don't have available <laughs> for right. that task uh because i mean you'll get like one of their like small armies is like a hundred bucks yeah, and then you've still got to assemble it and spend 10 hours painting it and then you play the game. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't think I would have that level of commitment. Yeah, there's something relaxing about sitting and painting a model after a long day of work mm-hmm. too, but it's it's just another form of therapy. It is. Yeah. I, yeah, I started, art therapy. I started painting some of mine and it was uh, it is a lot of fun. Like I don't know if I have that much decompression time though. Like I, I generally have <laughs> got things I'm supposed to be doing 
most of the time. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the frustrating thing is, is when, when you're decompressing, but your brain won't let you stop thinking about like, oh shit, I should be doing this instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I'm behind on this thing. Ah. But 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 you get you get to paint. They were like, I got to paint these miniatures for the campaign. This is work. Well, like, yeah, uh, that used to be the case. I mean, I used to create everything myself, print everything myself, paint everything myself. But at this point, fortunately, I've been able to hire a few freelance people to help me, particularly in like the character modeling. I do a lot of the hard surface stuff, like spaceships and scenery and terrain. But a lot of the good character stuff, I I'm not creating myself. I have a a few employees, so that's been helpful. But and I also have professional artists that print and paint my models for me to photograph now. So I've at least been able to remove myself awesome. from some aspects of that, which is what frees up time for things like creating comic books. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that delegation is important and difficult. For sure. <laughs> you got to really trust people, especially when it's, you know, your baby stuff like this. Yeah. That that's, I, th- I think we've been fairly open about that, about with, with our comic book, you know, like Ben and I co-write it and, and I'm, and I do the art. But it's uh, it's tough, you know. Like like when you when you've got it in your head, you've got a very particular yeah. vision, and it's you know I I I probably come off like an asshole most of the time, just or or you know like I'm over controlling, but I don't mean to. I'm just I'm terrified of of lack of control. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. And, well, and that's why you you see a lot of guys that put comics out where like they write them and then someone draws them and someone else inks them and someone else mm-hmm. colors them and someone else letters them, and there's a lot of people involved then and, and you still end up with great products, but you've got to, you've got to, you know, be okay with a bunch of other people interpreting your stuff. And, uh, and it does help get it out a little faster than it, when, For sure. instead of when you're doing everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, if, yeah, maybe in the next campaign we'll, we'll build in for a, uh, for a letter or something, <laughs> get that off my plate. Yeah. I've been, uh, teaching myself lettering. I didn't letter the, I lettered the prequel, but not the first two issues um, of the Ignis Quadrant series. And, but I've been teaching myself and I'm planning on doing them all for the anthology. And part of that is just my own interest of wanting to be like, I want each one to be at a different style so I could explore it. And I have a background with graphic design too. So it's not like totally new to me, but I've never spent so much time like worrying about pixel perfect placement of tails and everything as I have with lettering. It's unbelievable. And I'm, I think my editor probably thinks I'm crazy because we go through and do like line edits and everything. And then I'm in there and you see that where they, you know, once it's on the page you're t- retweaking everything just to get the composition perfect. And it's crazy. I mean, I spent hours lettering a page sometimes. So you said, you said you lettered, uh, you lettered zero. I lettered zero. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it looks really good. I had the, the benefit that one was done first. So the letterer, let Justin letter squiz did the first one. So I replicated his style back to the, to zero, but. Oh, so okay. I, I had some, I had a starting point. Yeah. It's one of those things that you don't think is a complicated art or that there's much to it. You're like, yeah, you just put word balloons yeah. and fill them with words and, uh, there you go. But there's, there's a, quite a bit more into it as far as keeping the flow, not covering up too much art, making sure it it's sensible as to who's talking and when they're talking. Uh, it is not as cut and dry as, as most people probably think it is. Yeah. It's, it's easy to do bad lettering yeah and and, and I, i'm i'm terrified that that you know like because i'm i'm not i've i've never taken a whole book on lettering myself and and um i am terrified that there are things that i just don't know and, and you know like 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 with everybody it looks good to me so great send it out and then you don't you you don't necessarily hear from people about how bad it is but you look like an asshole so i'm hoping i don't do that you guys certainly did not 
Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, you got a letter. So you guys probably know about a lot of this already, but I found some really useful create uh, comic book creator communities where you know there's a couple of groups on Reddit and Facebook where people have already you know they're leagues ahead of me in their creation experience, and everyone's so helpful. I mean, obviously, you know, every creator tends to get a little scared to get their stuff out there in universe when they think it's not totally polished, right? So that's I think that prevents a lot of people from sharing stuff early when they should get it out there and get feedback, but. I've been a little bit more open. I mean, just yesterday, I shared a couple pages on a Reddit group that I had lettered to get feedback. And I got great feedback from 30-year professional letters that I wouldn't have heard from ever unless I like blatantly went out there and said, hey, I'm new at this. Take a look. Give me some feedback. So it's been really good to leverage those communities to to not have to learn all this stuff in a bubble and just do my own internet research. That's a good call. And, and it's and it's so sensible. I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups uh, for creating comics and... I've got several pages lettered. I may as well just throw it out there before yeah. it's too late. Reddit's a great resource too. There's a bunch of good stuff mm-hmm. on there. There's also a lot of garbage on there, but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. you just got to kind of sift through it. Salt, to right? but, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people look at these, especially first time creators, you look at, you know, books from image and Marvel and DC and all these publishers that you really respect that put out amazing content. And you're like, yeah, the quality of this is just, how am I ever going to get a book that's this level of quality? And then you get in there and then you can, you know, you, I feel pretty proud about what I was able to produce, but you realize that, I mean, these are just people and they're, they're sitting in their house doing the same shit you're doing. It, you know, mm-hmm. you just gotta be willing to, to chip away at it and make it better. Yeah. Well, and, and it, you know, it's created by like a team of people. Like I said, every, everything is done by a guy who does just that. Like there's a letterer and that's what he does is letter things. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, if he's done it for 10 years, he's probably pretty fucking good at it. And, uh, yep. you know, it's okay not being as good as that guy, too, to a degree, you know? I mean, yep. you figure well, it out as you go along like with you. logo design and title page design and splash pages and page layout concepts and all that stuff. I and mean, you, don't, you don't think about that. You're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw some panels and put some words on it. And it's going to be cool. But then it's nuts. I've been, lately, I've been trying to, like, curate for my own reference, the, like, lettering styles that I like, but that are really different. And then also examples of really cool splash pages and title pages. Because unless you have an idea in your head, like, and you're like, I need to make a title page or a credit page, that's cool. Where do you start, right? I mean, there's so many examples of it. You can look at any comic in history, but there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, there's no, there's no guide for like paneling flow or something that exists like that. You got to figure that shit out and use graphic design concepts and so much stuff that it's just, there's not a lot of, there's not a good starting place for that stuff. Damn, I've I've been running on instinct for so many years that it, it's like I feel like a dope talking to you. Like all the research you've done and and all the work you've put in to improve your craft. I'm like, man, I I really should have been working harder this whole time. I mean, look, it's, oh, maybe it sounds cool, but I, like I said, I'm just sitting there with an old fashioned on my computer browsing the internet. I mean, it's not like <laughs> rocket surgery or anything. <laughs> and thankfully, John, your instincts are pretty good. Oh, all right. So I have a question for you guys. I'm curious, how does that how does that co-writing process go like? I mean, is that like a shared Google Doc? Or do you guys sit down and, and video chat and like storyboard? Or what's that process look like? It usually starts with us just sitting around talking. Like right now with the whole COVID thing, we're we're sort of uh, like our, our families are in, in the little bubble. Sure. You know, like I've, I've, I'm pretty, pretty careful. I'm pretty overly cautious. And, um, and I know Ben's family isn't running around being dopes. So, um, so we, we still hang out. Like we're, we're actually sitting right across from each other. Um, but we've got plexiglass between us, but, oh, sorry, I'm over explaining. We get together and 
bullshit for a while. Um, sometimes take part in some uh, some substance abuse, light substance. I don't know. Maybe have a couple drinks, drinks yeah. or or a couple puffs, and and uh, and then we we get these big like chalkboards or whiteboards from like Home Depot. They are one side's chalkboard, one side's whiteboard, and we just start writing out ideas like physically. I don't know. We we've it, it's it's something tactile for us, and yeah. we just brainstorm for a while, and then we uh, we refine, and then we uh, we go and write a uh, a script. And then after, after the art's all done, what we did, this is absurd, but like we took my portfolio with my actual, um, inked pages and got like word balloon post-it notes and started, cool. uh, started working on, on, uh, balloon placement and final dialogue. Yeah. Cause in the script we've got, you know, we script it out and we have dialogue. Like usually one of us will take a pass at a, at a script and then we'll kind of bounce it back and forth for feedback until we get to a spot where at least the story is clear. And it has dialogue in it, but, you know, usually then John takes and he, he, you know, he works his wizardry and figures out how to tell that story in like panels with pictures. I have no idea how he does that. <laughs> so then he's got it all drawn out, but, you know, then you've got to massage the dialogue or, you know, look at the, the images you have and, and how the things you need said fit into it and make some adjustments. And uh, that's what we do with the post-it notes. Yeah, yeah and, and most most of our like writing kind of actually same thing with the podcast it stems from we we are kind of boring whereas you know when when we hang out all we do is sit around and talk and we brainstorm and we we talk shit and stuff so that that's that's how the podcast was born just like well we may as well just start talking on mic maybe somebody will be entertained by it because i'm entertained by it and same thing with the comic books you know like we we did a uh we did a time travel story a while back that was born from us just daydreaming about like what we would do if we found a time machine we're like, hey, let's make a comic book out of it. We've got we've got these ideas. We're talking about them all already, and that's what I've always wanted to do. So yeah. I guess I guess I can get to it at at thirty eight now. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very easy process for us. You know, we, we've known each other since we were like ten years old. So we we uh, we we don't really have many fights or hang ups or you know we we've, we've got similar personalities. Yeah, I imagine it would be a bit different if it was with like a stranger. Yeah, like you're trying to co-write something with someone that you sure. don't really know. I imagine th- it, it would be a little bit more trying, or or a little bit, you know, you'd have to walk a bit of a finer line. Yeah, than we do. I feel like you guys should definitely take some photos of your uh, boards with a post-it note, word balloons and stuff on there. I feel like people would be interested in seeing how that creative process works. That sounds fun yeah, too. I, I think I think we we posted a couple back when we were doing it on. I think I posted a couple on Twitter. Yeah, I may have put one on Instagram, but I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not on. I, I try and avoid social media, except I, I run the Twitter account for the for the know. podcast and, and for space. Oh, and it was absolutely life sucking oh, when I was geez. running it for the Kickstarter because you just need constant engagement. Like oh my you God. need to get out it's, there. It's and you, you've got to promote yourself. The, it, the back half, you're just worn out. Yeah, it uh, you get fucking sick of telling everybody about how awesome this thing you're doing is. <laughs> oh, I know. You know, I used to get so nervous when I launched Kickstarters early on, but I've done so many of them now at this point where I feel like I've just come up with this consistently known level of stress that I can handle during Kickstarters. <laughs> but yeah, I just signed up for Twitter the other day after not doing it for years and years and years, and I'm like, I have, I guess I have to do all these social media things now, especially with comics. It's it's been interesting for me because I had a really really large audience for my 3D printing stuff. Um, but, you know, those people weren't necessarily comic readers. 
right? They were interested in sci-fi, many of them, and they were, you know, playing tabletop games. And so I knew they were nerds. I knew they were, cl- they were very close. Um, but it's been interesting to try to go out there and, and expand my audience to get, you know, a more comic oriented audience while still marketing to both. It's been, been a little challenging, but I think it's kind of working. Yeah. Especially if there's, there's people out, out there that are like Ben and myself where I'm, I'm a turbo comic guy. Like that's my, that's my, uh, my geek passion of choice. And Ben is a super gaming guy. And like, I, I play games with Ben, but I'm, I'm nowhere near as into it as, as he is. And like, he'll read comics as well. But yeah, it, it's it's both of our geek passions in one. Yeah, there's not enough time in the day to, to unfortunately be into every single geek hobby. <laughs> although there's a there's no. a lot of overlap. If you were to do a Venn diagram of all the things, there's there's a nice sweet middle spot there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I am I am super super excited to see what comes next. I think this art is fantastic. I think the story is so much fun, and the dialogue is great. And that foul mouth, uh, well, without spoiling anything, the foul mouth little kid in, uh, in issue number one, I got, I got some good chuckles out of that. Um, uh, I think that kid's my spirit. Animal. <laughs> good. Yeah. I got some, I got some backlash from some reviewers that said that it was too vulgar. And I said, you, you don't get the spirit of the comic. If you think I need to take the language out and make it PC 13. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the best part is it's, it's coming out of like this 12 year old's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, hey, he's, he's a fucking hard knock alley kid, man. He's not taking your shit. Nope. Yeah, let's see. Let me let me find that line, my favorite line. <laughs> yeah, this is this has been what's fun for me for the comic too, is I, I just get to basically put my sense of humor into a dirty old alcoholic space cowboy <laughs> and then uh, all the people around him. Like is all the dialogue you and did you know, basically write the comic? Yeah, yeah. I scripted the whole thing. I have uh, an editor, Bob Sally, who's a really awesome published editor uh, with SourcePoint Press, and he's he was a godsend to help me kind of do the dialogue edits and, and kind of clean up some bad plot points and stuff. But yeah, I, I wrote all the dialogue. That's something I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about, but we haven't done anything of probably, probably to our detriment is what is it like working with an editor and like, what, what is the value you think you got? Yeah. Out of that? So for me, it was a couple of things. I mean, you can bring editors in at any point of the process, right? I mean, you can bring editors in from all from way from ID ideation through storyboarding through whatever. Um, but I basically knew that I wanted to kind of, the idea was already mostly born and fleshed out. So I want an editor to one help me clean up my grammatical stuff that I would just, you know, you look at those words so often yeah. you don't even notice the grammatical errors, um, clean up that. And then pacing was a huge part of it. Um, I'm not a comic artist, so, you know, you can trust the artist, obviously do his best to, or if you're drawing the art yourself, obviously to make the pacing do, you know, kind of go, go well with what dialogue you want, but understanding pacing throughout an entire issue when you've never written tons of, you know, tons of, uh, issues was something that I struggled with and having an editor who understood like how the flow of writing amount of dialogues, number of panels, all that stuff led to the pacing, not just through an issue, but through a story arc was a huge win for me, um, to get that kind of level of knowledge. Um, and then obviously there's the benefit of them, you know, usually editors are willing to help you share their content. If they're more established, you, they have a bigger audience. Um, if you, you know, you want to get published, you get the benefit of, having a great well-known person that can help intro you and kind of, you know, lend some credence to your work. So I, to me, it was well worth the investment. And I made a great friend, you know, with experience through the process as well. Nice. Yeah. May need to do that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> everyone I've talked to about, it's like, that sounds like a good idea, but like it never even had entered my mind originally, like a comic book editor. Like I know like Marvel's got an editor in chief, yeah. but like so does every publication, but like, yeah, 
It, we're we're indie creators. We don't have editors. Yeah, but, but oh no, there like are. It's much more common and probably a good idea. Yeah, I think I was told early on that you should get an editor to match the expectation of what you want your comic to be. If you eventually want to publish a comic and release it in trades and you know have distribution and stuff, you should be editing it from the beginning, like to the level of what you want it to be in two or three years. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The only editing I think we've done is is like have people read it so that we don't have any typos because. Sure. Uh, those are, they're so easy to skip past Oh yeah, when you've read it a hundred times and you wrote it and you're looking at it, you don't see it. And then, and then you, you get them printed and you look at it and you go, Oh shit. Yeah. How did I have two ends on the word can? Yeah. yeah. Like, how did I miss yep, that? Yep. Oh yeah. I, I even did physical proofs and I still stuff slips through the cracks. It's especially when you, you're yeah. looking at it so long that it just, you know, you get your blinders on and it's easy to miss stuff. I mean, just getting yeah. a few beta readers in there, you know, and getting, getting that is better than nothing for sure. And everyone's got a friend who's an English major that's unemployed out there that just get hold of them. (laughs) They'd be happy to proofread for you for free. That is a true story. I do have one of those. (laughs) Everyone does. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, um, I guess uh, wrapping up here, Evan, why don't you uh, go ahead and let us know where people can find all of your stuff. And um, when's your your Indiegogo campaign end? Uh, I think there's 17 days left on it, if I remember. Um, yeah, you can Sounds go to right. just any Gogo or Kickstarter. You can get there through either way. Um, search for the Ignis Quadrant. My website is www.ec3d.design, and there's links all over on there. Or just search for EC3D Design on Facebook. I'm I'm all over the place. I'm social media advertising everywhere. You can't miss it. Yeah, yeah, hitting people up uh, for for cross promotion. I really appreciate you doing that because this is uh, this has been fun. I'm I'm loving the book, and I love how much I just learned in this last. Yeah. you know, 45 minutes or so. Like I, I, I appreciate this. And, uh, I will post links to, to Evan's stuff in the show notes. If people want to go there to find it. And, and just of note, Ignis is spelled E G N I S. I G N I S. Sorry. I was even looking, I was even looking at it. Yeah. I, I G N I S. Cause I've searched for it a couple times and put U S and couldn't find anything. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Am I spelling it wrong? Yeah. What's I had this going brilliant on? idea to use all these Latin words for all this stuff. I'm like, nobody knows how to spell this shit. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and real quick, because I, I, uh, I left it behind, but the, the, uh, the word balloon with the little kid saying, fuck off prick. You can go wipe your ass for five creds. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's a great in- introduction for this foul mouth kid. Um, all right. Well, uh, again, thank you so much, Evan, for coming on. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everybody go, uh, go to Indiegogo, uh, back Ignis Quadrant and, um, can they find, uh, I'm sorry, uh, on the campaign, do, is there a, a tier for issues zero and one on there as yep, well? Yep. You can get back issues, physical or digital. Cool. Buy physical. Well, buy whatever you want, but also by physical. Yes, yeah. I love having a physical comic book in my like when when we were cross promoting, you had sent me uh digital copies of 0 and 1 just to just to read. And I read 0, but I was like, "Oh no, like I'm 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 backing this and I'm going to wait for for them to be in my hand before I read number for 1." Sure. I love physical comics. Yep. And I didn't cheap out on paper either, so it's not it's a nice nice read. Oh yeah. It's fancy and thick. Awesome, guys. Back his shit.